standing, may I say once again, please turn your phones off. I would appreciate it very, very much. So for those of you that came in a little later, please turn your phones off. Thank you. And we'd appreciate that very, very much. I would like our folks to look around if there's someone near you or across the aisle that does not have a Bible, not to embarrass, but to share uh, with us. First person you look at is your best friend. Do you know somebody over there? I have two young ladies over here that need someone. I need a young lady to sit with them. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate that very much. Miss Samantha. Everybody else, we okay? I want you to see what we're talking about this morning. I want you to turn, first of all, to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter number three. Daniel chapter number three. Daniel chapter number three. Daniel chapter number 3, once you've located that, I'll give you a moment. It's right next to Hosea. That probably helped you a whole lot, didn't it? Say, man, I knew where Hosea was. I just didn't know where Daniel was. You find it? You also have an index. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I remember I went up to a, a rather large church where our kids used to go to college and stuff, and I was sitting in their chapel service in their college. Several thousands of people were in there. And uh, I was just getting started, and, and I, I'm not uh, the most educated person in the world. And I was sitting in there, and he was talking about uh, a prophet. And so I'm trying to take notes, and I put down prophet, P-R-O-F-I-T, when he was actually talking about a person. I see you giggle and laugh, and that's why people will not go to their index for fear that people will giggle and laugh. Now, it's okay if you laugh at me because now I'm smarter than you, so I'm not worried about it. Uh, but what you understand is a lot of people, especially when it comes to Bible stuff, it's kind of foreign to them. And so you want to encourage people. Here, let me show you where this is at. And uh, not to embarrass, but to encourage, you can do this. You can do this. And so Daniel, do you find it now? Okay, in the front of your book, there's an index. You go there to tell you where Daniel is. It'll actually tell you what page it's on. Now, if you get the Old Testament page mixed up with the New Testament page, you'll be out of Revelation. You don't even know what that means, do you? Okay, well, anyway, Daniel chapter number 3, starting in verse number 13. I will read out loud. You read along with me silently. Daniel chapter number 3, starting at verse number 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they brought these men before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not do not you serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have made? Now, if you be ready, at what time you will hear the contemporary gospel music and rock and roll and rap? I expect you to do what everybody else is doing: fall down and do what they're doing. Oh, I'm sorry, that's in the original Hebrew. Uh, the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the, uh, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music. You fall down, worship the image which I have made well. In other words, it, that'll be fine. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. 
If it be so, our God, whom we uh, serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. One other place, New Testament. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. You got it? Okay. We don't come to church to be entertained. We come to church to learn Bible. We come to learn about our God and what he wants from us. We want to learn about him. We need to learn about us. What he wants, what he doesn't want, what he likes, what he does. You see, when you got saved, you gave your life to him and he bought it. Therefore, I'm not my own. So I need to learn about my new father. I need to learn about my savior. I need to learn what he likes and what he dislikes so I can serve him the way he wants me to. Does that make sense? Okay, you can't do that if you don't know Bible. So that's why we're learning. Verse number 13, chapter number 10 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Father, thank you for the Bible. What a loss we would be at with no Bible from you, no word from you. We would be reasoning, guessing, making things up, trying to figure things out, and yet you gave us your book called The Word of God. I ask you, dear Lord, to help us, please, to set reasoning and and, and humanistic teaching aside, and let's just hear what you have to say. I think if we yield that way, it makes perfect sense. That makes sense. Now I understand, and I hope that's what will happen this morning as I try to teach these people, your children, about this particular thing that we tend to wrestle with, most of us all of our life, because we just do not understand what's going on. Help me to help your people. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the folks that are here this morning. Please bless for Christ's sake. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. sails on a troubled sea ever there's a wind in my sail but i have a friend who watches over me when the breeze turns into the gale i know of the wind I know the maker of the rain he can calm the storm make the sun shine again I know the master of the wind 
Sometimes I soar like an eagle to the sky. Among the peaks my soul can be found. An unexpected storm may drive me from the heights. Brings me low but never brings me down. I know the master of the wind. I know the maker of the rain. He can calm the storm, make the sun shine again. I know the master of the wind. Do you the sun shine again do you know the maker of the wind he can calm your storm make the sun shine again do you seated. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. To many people, very familiar verse, but I fear to most it's very misunderstood. Uh, I want to talk to you about that. Verse number 13, 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 13. Are you there? You need to see this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. What a comforting verse, amen. I really like that verse. And uh, I've read it and there's a lot of things you can get out of that. There are, I, I believe part of what it's saying is there are certain temptations in this world that are just common to everybody. Everybody faces it, everybody goes through it. Uh, uh, children get sick. Everybody's kids get sick. Uh, people face financial problems at one time or another, on one level or another. That's just things that happen in this life. That happens to everybody. There are certain temptations, problems, um, things that try to draw us away. It's common to man. So he said here, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So anything that's coming in your life, much of it is just common. It's just common to everybody. But not only that, in other words, uh, there is an answer to the why. There is a, it's not unusual. I'm the only one going through this. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. That's not really true. Particularly, we tend to believe that nobody has gone through what I'm going through. Nobody has faced what I'm facing. Nobody has hurt the way I've hurt. Nobody has lost 
as much as I have lost. We tend to believe this way in the middle of our hurt, and that's really not true. But neither will it say here that I will test beyond a point that I can't take it. The Bible clearly says right here, but God is faithful who will not tempt you above that you're able. It says right here that basically God will not tempt me beyond what I'm able, able to take, put up with, whatever the case may be. It says right here that that's what that's saying here. I'll be tested to a certain point that I can't take it, that I can't endure it, that I have no choice but to give in. God will come to my rescue and bail me out when this thing begins to happen in my life. Now, I am leading you in thought. This is what most people tend to believe this verse is kind of teaching. Why is this happening? How do I know that God will keep me from that time when I feel as though I have no choice. I had to do this. I had to walk away. I had to give in. I couldn't take it anymore. Why does it get to that point? How do I know that I do have a choice? The Bible said God will not allow it to be tempted above that I'm able. He says here to escape that you might be able to bear it. So there's a way of escape. This temptation that's coming into your life, my life, there is a way to escape. Now, there's a way to escape that I can bear it. I don't have to fall apart. I don't have to run away. He is simply saying here, there is a time when God will step in and I can bear it. God's very faithful. He's true to his word. I'm leading you in thought. God is not telling us there's always a way to get out of the test. God is not saying there's always a way to get out of the test, to get around it from it not coming our way. That's what we tend to believe most of the time. But a way to escape not being able to bear it, there is a way to do that. There is a way to be able to bear it. God will provide that way that you can bear the temptation. God, who is faithful, will bring that into your life. Now, again, you're thinking, well, I'll, I'll lead you here in just a second. I think most Christians interpret this verse to mean this. Before it gets to a certain point, I can't take it anymore. God will stop it. Now, I've had conversation with even some of you in this room, so I'm not picking on you, and I'm not using you as an illustration, but I'm hoping that you'll remember some things that perhaps you've even said. God will deliver me. God will rescue me just in time because I can't take it. This way most of us interpret this. So basically, if he doesn't take the pressure off soon, if he does not take care of my trouble soon, if he doesn't start blessing me again, if he doesn't help me to escape the trouble that I'm in, that I'm going through, if it gets too much more than I can bear, I'll have no choice but to quit, change direction, start something else, go away. This is the way most people interpret that. This is the way most people react past this point. It's just what we do. I also believe most Christians think not able to bear it means what I think I can bear. Well, this is all I can take, so God will stop it when I get there. 
Why? I can't take anymore. You ever notice, uh, being the pastor of a church for 30-some years, I've watched people come here and go out and come here and go out. Some people just stop by real quick to see if anybody's going to help them, and then off they go again. What they're looking for is the easy way out. What they're looking for is help without doing anything. Listen to me very carefully here. I think when that happens, all they're saying is, if I can't get help here, I'm changing direction. If I can't get help here, I'm changing direction. If I can't get here, I'm changing direction. Listen very carefully. You'll never learn about you or God that way. You never will. So I believe that most people think, when I'm not ready to take this, when I do not believe I can bear much more, when I get, when I get to that point, and I know when that is, right? We all know. God will step in and bail me out. He will deliver me from that because I know what I can take. And when I get to that point, God's going to step in and deliver me. I wonder about Adam and Eve. You ever do that? I wonder if they ever sat down at night and thought to themselves after everything that took place in their life, got kicked out of the garden, right? Their first son murdered their second son. Can you, can you even start to fathom that? I can't. There are no other children on this planet. Cain killed Abel right after or shortly after they got kicked out of the garden. Their whole family's falling apart. On top of all that, Cain would not repent. He would not get himself right with God. So God puts a curse on him. Now he becomes a vagabond and a stranger throughout the earth the rest of his life. And I wonder if Adam and Eve ever thought to themselves, you know, before this gets much worse, God's going to bring our whole family back together. Sound familiar? Preacher, I just know God's going to bring our family back together. I just know we're all going to end up in church serving the Lord. I just know, I just know because I can't take much more of this. I wonder what Adam and Eve thought about. I wonder with all this going on, were they looking for that magical outcome? Okay, let's call it miraculous. Let's, let's, let's excuse the word magical. Magical. I wonder... If that miraculous outcome, they said, God, we can't take much more of this. We got kicked out of our home. We no longer in the evening walk with you like we did before. My one son is dead. My other son's a murderer. And now he's off in the foreign field somewhere, and I don't know what's going to happen. God, I just know you're going to step in. He didn't. Now think about what you pray and think about sometimes. I wonder if Joseph... Joseph, I believe, is still one of my wife's favorite characters in the Bible. Joseph was in the pit. He was simply minding his dad. He wasn't at fault. He was doing what was right. Minding his dad. Look at me, Christian. Minding his dad, doing what was right. Went out to go tell his brother something, and they mugged him. Ten older brothers beat up their little brother and threw him in a pit. Then trying to decide, should we murder him or not, they decide... Why should we be guilty? Yeah, like beating him up isn't, yeah, that's. So they sell him into slavery, into Egypt. He goes down there, and the Bible keeps saying, and God was with him. So Joseph is down there, and come on, this has got to slow down sooner. Isn't that what you think? Can't go on like this forever, right? I can't take much more of this. And so we continue to pray, oh God, please, I can't take much more of this. Please step in. And then we start telling other people, oh, God's going to deliver us from this. Oh, yeah, that sickness. Oh, yeah, I, I prayed. I just know God's going to heal. Sound familiar? 
And so Joseph there is now in Egypt. He hooks a good master and he's down there and he's helping out. Maybe life wasn't that bad. And then you know the story. He's accused of rape, which he did not do. And then he goes to prison. To prison over something he did not do. While he's down there, he's trying to help other people and he's helping these two guys who happen to be close to the king, Pharaoh. And while they were down there, he tells them their dream, sure enough, comes true. Here's what he says, remember me when it goes well with you. Anybody know what happened? They forgot him. I mean, it just keeps getting worse all the time. And I wonder if Joseph ever thought, it's not going to keep going on forever. It'll stop sooner or later. Now you turn a page and go, oh, now he's running the country. There's a lot of time in between there. Lots of time. And see, the thing is, we look at things sometimes and we actually are telling God, I can't take much more. We're going to tell him when he should step in. We're telling the Lord, now would be a good time. God, I can't take it another day. You're actually telling God what he should and should not do, when he should do it, and actually most of it tell him how to go about it. We're not God's counselor. He's called the father. Don't you like it, parents, when your children tell you what you should and shouldn't do? But we tell God all the time. I even read it in the Bible. I am shocked at how many people talk back to God in the Bible. Really, really shocked by that. By the way, when you read scripture and go, I don't believe that, you're talking back to your father. If you're saved, you're actually telling God Almighty, I don't like what you said or I don't believe that. I wonder about Daniel. Daniel's living for God, by the way, in a foreign land. He is living for God. He did not compromise. You know the story. Living for God, standing for right. Sound like us? Sound like you? Standing for God, trying to do what was right. He was accused of not being loyal, and that wasn't true. He was. Now people are making stuff up about him. Now if things are true in your life, totally different subject. So he's accused of not being loyal, and so the king said, okay, whoever will not obey what I tell them, listen, ladies, whatever happened, then you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, I'm sorry, into the lion's den, into the lion's den. Daniel knew this, but Daniel, maybe, 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 is this you? Daniel thought that God will never let that happen. I'm one of his prophets. God will not allow this king to throw me in the lion's den. God will stop it before I ever end up there. God will intervene because he knows that I will not be able to take. So God will step in and deliver me from what I can't take. Did anybody know? Did Daniel get thrown in the lion's den? So let me get this straight. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. So where is this delivery thing? Where is this I will save you? And I will keep you when that temptation comes, when that trial comes, when that hurt comes, when that sadness comes, when that breakup comes, when that loss comes. God will step in just before it gets real bad and deliver. Where did it happen? It didn't happen to these guys. And they were pretty good Christians, I think. How about Stephen? Let's jump to the New Testament. Remember Stephen? Great deacon. Great, great deacon. And uh, there he was simply telling people about the word of God, how to be saved. What does that mean? And he's just standing there in a crowd telling them what God says about salvation. Those around him become very angry because of what he's preaching, and they start picking up stones to kill 
thought. God will put a stop to this. I actually believe if they raise their hand against God's anointed, he'll paralyze their arm. That sounds real good. Just before that first stone is hurled at me, God will intervene and not let that happen. I am a deacon in the church. I am preaching the word of God. I am doing what is right. God will step in. Stephen was stoned to death. He died. What happened to this 1 Corinthians 10, 13 thing? What happened to this, I will keep you from that time? What, what does this mean? Because the way I think about it, it's, it's, it's not that way. Stephen was not miraculously spared from dying. He died. Daniel was not spared from the lion's den. He was thrown in. Everybody you read about in the Bible tends to not agree with our thinking concerning that verse. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. So here is the way... Here is where the escape God said would be there. Listen very carefully. You know with every temptation there is a way of escape. The Bible says so. That you can bear it, take it. All right? That you can bear it. It sure doesn't seem to be true in these men's life. How many of us as Christians, I'm not asking you to raise your hand or say out loud, but you were praying about something and telling other people in church and you've had similar thoughts to maybe what I'm talking about here, similar questions and similar statements. You maybe make this kind of statement. I believe with all of my heart that God's going to heal them. But he didn't. How do we justify this verse in that? Maybe you've made the statement, I know just any day that God is going to take away this trouble in my life. But it got worse. It didn't get better. Somebody explain to me what that verse means there. Now, I'm saying all this because normally this is the way we think. We think just before I can take much more, he will step in and make it all go away. He will stop it from continuing on by that verse, and we claim that. We, we, we say all the time, there hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man, but God will with all temptation make a way of escape. And we stop reading. Maybe you've made the statement, God will not let my family keep suffering much longer. But they still are, aren't they? They're still going through it. They're still hurting. They're still struggling. They're still suffering loss. Where's God in this? Where is the delivery? Where is the escape? Where's it at? I'm asking you to think because most of us are thinking wrong and that's why we get so upset about things because what we're thinking doesn't seem to match what God just said and because of that we get disillusioned about the whole thing. So maybe I need to change churches or change spouses or change, I think y'all change kids, but I, I think we need to change some things because it's not working. God said this and look, it's not working. It must be the church I'm going to. It must be the spouse that I'm married to. It must be the job that I have. We need to move. We need to change. We need to make something happen because God is not coming through like I thought he should. Perhaps you said, God will open up a job soon. 
just any day now, I just, I just, I feel that God's going to get me a job. And the bills just keep piling up. And there's no job. How do you justify that verse in your life? Where is your way of escape? Where's this at? But still the bills come. First of all, can I say it again? You and I are not God's counselor. We don't tell God what he should and should not do. We tend to believe we do. Well, I'll claim that verse and God will have to. Well, first of all, a lot of times we misunderstand a verse. So God does not have to. The Bible says in Romans chapter, you're almost there if you want to turn there. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 11, go backward. Romans chapter number 11, just a page or two. Look at verse number 34. Verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Who told God how to lay this thing out? Who told him this is where you need to say it's enough in their life? Who, who, who told God when that time was coming? We do. We tell him. Ready? In prayer. God, I can't take, if you don't stop this, and then we almost threaten God. Now, you wouldn't call it that. You would say, no, I'm just explaining I can't take much more. So what's going on here? We tend to believe we're God's counselor. Most of the time, we are hoping, reasoning, or guessing at what God's will is. Most of the time, most Christians I know of are guessing, reasoning, or hoping what God will do, what God should do, and how long God will let it go on. Oh, I know any time he'll stop this. Where'd you get that from? Where's that in the Bible? Where is it in the Bible that it says when you think you've had enough, God will step in? Where does it say that? It does not say that. We tell God what he ought to do. So first of all, we're not God's counselor. Number two, your way of escape is not another path. That's not the escape. It's not another door. It's not another church. It's not another school. It's not another job. It's not another miracle. It's not another healing. The way of escape spoken of when you seemingly cannot bear it anymore. Are you ready? Here it is. Here it is. Run to Jesus. That's your escape. You said, that's it? See, see, that's the way we think. Okay, I already know that, but when am I getting out of this? I just told you. We misunderstand this verse because of our thinking and what that means. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, if you go there again, just a few pages over. Let me show you a little bit about, I love looking up words. I think we use words we really don't know the definitions of, therefore we don't know the weight of word, and therefore a lot of scripture, we get totally mixed up because we don't know the definition of certain words. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The Bible says in verse 13, there hath no temptation. Do you even know what that means? Temptation means test. There's no test. There's no experience. There's no scrutiny. There's no adversity. There's no enticement. Taken you, but such as is common to man. Everything in this world that you fuss with, everybody else fusses with. It's not unusual. But we think it is. Nobody knows. Right? And that's what we do. We zero in on us. Then we zero in on God, and God needs to react the way I think 
because this is all I can take. Preacher, believe me, I cannot take much more. Uh, often we'll have people come by here or call and they need, you know, refrigerators or a house or an air conditioner and they want to know if we have any in stock. And, uh, when, and here's what they'll say. If somebody doesn't do something, I'm not going to be able to make it. Five years later, you see them and they're still making it. But at that time, they honestly believe this is all I can take. Just like we do sometimes. We actually tell the Lord. We actually tell other people. God's going to deliver. God's going to deliver. God's going to come through. God will put a stop to this. God will heal. God will make arrangements. And then we put a timeline. If God doesn't do something soon, I won't be able to take this much more. So we're telling God, you need to hurry and do something so that I can escape. So the temptation here is simply a test, an experience, a scrutiny. God's examining us, a certain advice. And then it said to escape. You know what escape means? Through those doors, you can leave. You can exit. Escape is an exit. How do I get out of this? How do I get away from this? So he talks about temptation. So he's saying there's a way, there's an exit, there's an end to the test, to the experience, to the scrutiny, to the, to the adversity. There, 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 there is an exit. See, preacher, that's what I think. I think there's a way to get out of it. But then look what it says, able. You know what that means? Can be done. Sit still. It means it can be done. It means it's possible. Not like, well, it's possible. No, it means, yeah, it's possible. That positive possible. Not, you never know possible. Not that kind. So now what we have is this test, this experience, this scrutiny, this adversity, this enticement. There is an exit. There's an end. Then the word able, that I can, that it's possible. And that's where we get stopped most of the time. That's what I want, and so we stop. The verse isn't done. And that's where we get messed up. God said there's a way to escape. God said that I could bear it, and I can't bear much more. And so we stop reading. God, you said that you would take me out of all of this when I can't take it. Actually, that's not what he said at all. That's what we say. Then he says to bear it. There's the key. There's something going on here that I can't bear it. Bear up underneath to undergo, not run away from, not magically disappear, not make it go away like a bad dream, that I can hold up underneath of it. I can bear this. So this is important. The escape is not from the temptation. The, 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 the escape is not from the temptation, but from the wrong results that those can bring about. Think with me. I hate to make you think on Sunday morning, but you're going to have to. Wrong results or from having to fall or having to quit because of the temptation. Bear it. How? Ready? Ready? Run to Christ. Now you're going like this. That's it? So just, okay, I do that. I believe in Jesus. That's not what I said. Here he's simply saying there are these times of experiences and testing and scrutiny and adversity. But there is a way to, to escape that, an exit. You think the exit is get completely away from it and never have to face. That's not what the verse says. 
He actually says here that to bear it, to bear up underneath of it. And the way you do that is not to run from it or get away from it. It's to run to Christ that you can bear it. Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. You know, if we were only, uh, could only take what we could bear or put up with, I mean, let's admit it, we ain't putting up with anything. We're not going to bear anything, and we're not going to endure anything because my, my hurt span is only about that big. God, come on, I can't bear it. Get me out of this. And when he doesn't, See, the Bible doesn't work. I, I just read that right there. And God did not help me to escape and get me away from this. That's because you misunderstand. And because that caused a lot of confusion among Christians. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come unto me, come unto who? Who's the me? Jesus, right? All ye that labor and are heavy laden. Uh, if you've ever worked in the trucking industry, uh, you have a bill of lading. And what that is is what you're carrying in that on that truck or in that truck. This is what you're bearing. This is what you're carrying, okay? So it's called a bill of lading. In other words, what you're laboring with, what you're carrying with you. And it's all mapped out. And by the way, there's a load limit. There's a load limit on, on bridges and there are load limits on trucks. And why? Because they're saying this has been tested and that's all you can put on there. After that, we have to get another truck. See, that's all designed. That's not decided by the truck driver. That's designed by the manufacturer. He's the one that decides. That bridge can only hold 12 tons. If your truck and your cargo is more than 12 tons, do not cross this bridge. If you cross it, you're breaking the law and you're at risk of destroying yourself. Now, so what's he say here? Look at verse number uh, 28, chapter 11 of Matthew. Matthew 11, 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and what's going to happen? Now, wait a minute. I'm laboring, and I'm heavy laden. I mean, I've got a lot going on, and I'm telling you, it's heavy. And God said, ready? Here's, here's your out. Here's your escape. You come to me, and I will give you rest. He didn't say the escape was stop working for me. He didn't say the escape was to get away from it all. He didn't say what you need to do is wait on me and I'll magically make it all go away. He said when you're heavy laden and when you're burdened, what you want to do is come to me. I will give you rest. That's your escape. We want to get out from underneath the weight. We want to get out from underneath the problem. We want to get out from underneath the hurt. We want to get out from underneath the turmoil. We want to get out from underneath the temptation. And God said, you can bear this. You actually think I'll put more on you than you, you have no choice but to fall? You have no choice but to give in? You have no choice but to give up? God, does, What kind of a father would do such a foolish thing? God does not do that. So, it doesn't say here, I will take your labor or burden from you. Read the verse. Don't read into the scripture. Read the scripture. He didn't say, I'll take away your laboring. I will take away your heavy burden. He didn't say that. He said, you come to me. You come to me. 
And you and I will be able to do this. You'll be able to hold up underneath that load. You'll be able to continue on in that burden. Too many people are changing. God gave them a burden, and now all of a sudden something becomes laborious about it. Something becomes a little more intense about it than they planned on. And guess what we do? Change direction. Guess what we do? We run away. We become disillusioned by God's very word that saved us and say, yeah, but see, it doesn't work. Has it ever dawned on you? Maybe it's not working between here. Could it be you misunderstand what God is talking about? That could be. So in Psalm chapter 61, verse number, go there. We have time. Psalm 61. Psalm 61. Psalm 61, I want you to look at verse number 2. Here again to show you, I'm not just picking one verse or two verses. I can show you a lot of verses. But watch what it says in Psalm 61, verse number 2. Are you there? Psalm, right in the middle of your Bible, find chapter 61, go down to verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Overwhelmed means overflowing. When it gets to the place I just can't handle things anymore, my heart is breaking, my emotions are, God, I don't know what else to do. Watch what he said. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher. He didn't say take this away. He didn't say make it easy on me. He said my out, my escape is you. When I am facing things I cannot face, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to handle it, I want to run to the rock that is higher than I. Christ is our escape, not from or out of trouble, but in trouble that we might be able to bear it. I don't know how many of you, listen to me, fellas. I don't know how many of you got boys that are becoming juniors or teenagers. And uh, somewhere along the line, they want to lift weights. All of them do. Okay, they got arms like that. And, you know, they build like that. And so uh, they want to know how to go about it. And you say, okay, you need to pace yourself. And uh, no, uh, there has to be a, uh, what do they call it? No burn, no, no gain, no pain. So there has to be pain and gain. You thought that was just a Arnold Schwarzenegger thing, didn't you? And that was funny. Anyway, so Arnold, he's an evangelist out of Louisiana. So anyway, you tell your kids, you can do that. What do they do? One more, right? One more, one more. It's burning, it's burning. I don't know if I can, one more, come on, one more, one more. You know what they're doing? You've got a spotter over top of you. That's there. It's not going to crush you. That's why he's there. You say, I can't take it. They say, Yes, you can. Come on, I'm here with you now. Come on, one more time. They say, oh, that's as carnal as all get out. Same principle. Same principle. You keep saying to yourself, I can't lift this one more day. God said, come on, come on. Now you come to me, I'm your out. You come to we'll do this together. Running away is not your answer. Throwing up your hands is not the answer. Sitting and crying in church when God has got an answer for you and you're so you're way off in la-la land somewhere going, oh, I wish there was an answer. Jesus is your answer. We're so used to watching charismatics and listening to his name be thrown around, we don't understand what the answer really is anymore. Jesus kept it so simple that I don't care what your age is from youngest to oldest, Jesus is your answer. There, several of you, as you get older, you'll lose a spouse. That's not easy. 
wife and I have been married a long time. 50 years. 50 years. That's a long time. 50 years. Now don't take this wrong. You think everything's been wonderful? She's married to a pastor. How can everything be wonderful? You mean there's no problems? Now for those of you who said, well, it's been great. You're not living for God. There's no way in the world. Care what you're saying. There's no way. You may be living a clean life, but you're not living for God like you should. No way in the world. I, I Bible. You don't have Bible for it. You just did. There are problems. There are times financially, physically. We no more started this church. My older son had to go through open heart surgery. Right after I quit my job to go full time. And you pray, well, here, now watch, you're going to the end of the story and saying, but God delivered you. Yeah, but I wanted him to way back here. God, I can't tell you, what are we going to do? And so you want to change direction. You want to throw up your hand. Well, if this is the way it is, nobody should have to go through this, right? Isn't that what we say? I was talking to Miss Vicky this morning. I was listening to a program near the Statler Brothers. Now, I didn't say they were born again also, but I forgot to tell you that. I was listening to them. And when I heard the bass singer, my mind thought about Dan. Dan Miller. Dan Miller one day, where we, a whole bunch of us were together at one of our people's houses, and we were just laughing, having a good time, and sharing things. And I wonder how many people that day thought, God bless him. God, you're going to have to change this. He choked to death in front of about 30 people on Easter Eve. I wish my stool wouldn't stay up there. Everybody began to pray. Come on. Somebody doesn't know what to do. He died. His wife was there. His daughter-in-law and son was there. Very Christian folks. We're all watching, helpless, praying, being shot. God, what, I didn't, what do we do? Everybody was trying everything they knew. All kinds of specialists showed up from, from the ambulance to the fire department to the police department, and they were pulling out every possible machine and help they could, and he died right there lying in front of everybody. I want to know where that verse is. I want to know when God's going to keep that promise. That's more than that woman could bear. Why did God do this? Why would God allow such a thing? When she stood there, and I, she made a comment to my wife and said, what, what was it? I'm going to be a widow today. Why didn't you just pray and trust God and God will miraculously take it all away? God didn't. See, that's what you keep thinking. I'm not trying to cause you not to pray. But if we're going to pray, let's start praying in the will of God. Let's pray according to the word of God instead of making stuff up. I just know he's going to heal. Where'd you get that from? Somebody told you it's God's will for everybody to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. There's no Bible for that. None whatsoever. You're listening to the wrong kind of preachers. So what does he say here? When my heart is overwhelmed, here's what I need. When it's overwhelmed, I need to go to the rock that's higher than I. I need to go to somewhere or that person, that person, that person that knows what needs to take place, how to get me through this, how to help me bear up. Honestly, honestly, what can you not do if you and Jesus are working out together? Think about it. What can you not get through if he's there with you? Get through everything, right? Miss Vicky came to me, and she has told me several times, Preacher, this is going to be tough. I keep seeing her. I lay down on the bed, or I sit here. I, I, 
character so I can understand his essence being here. I miss him so much. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't imagine what was happening. Why didn't God magically make it go away? She's a child of God. She loves the Lord. He did. First thing I told her, I said, Miss Lord, you got to start going to church. You need church. You need people, and people need you to be there. Now she's telling me it's hard, but I can do it. You know what she did? She went to the rock. There's no big mystery about it. It doesn't mean her heartache magically disappeared. It didn't. She still thinks about him all the time. She would still rather he were here. He used to sing bass in one of our quartets with us up here. We had such a good time. We were talking about that. We were laughing and singing. And what did he do wrong? Nothing. He choked on a piece of meat. God will step in and make it. <coughs> but he didn't. You keep holding God to the wall that you have to do something or I'm going to quit. You have to do something because this isn't fair. You have to do something because this isn't right. You have to step in and take it away because I can't take it. That's not what the Bible says. He may, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible said, if you'll allow me, I'll get underneath that with you and you'll be able to bear it. Are you listening to me? Christ is our escape. Christ is our strength. Have you ever read through Psalms and underlined everything where David and others are saying, he's my, you ever read all those? All the things, he's my shield, he's my high tower, he's my buckler, he's my strength, he's my refuge, he's my helper, he's my shelter, he's my protector, he's my defender. On and on and on it tells you, I'm your all in all. Let me get under there with you, you'll be okay. Miss Vicky's with us this morning. We got another lady in here that just a few years ago, her husband passed away. Some of you are going through that. My mom, her dad. Miss Connie's here. Her husband passed away about two years ago. Just went home, found her new, married her, wine in the family. Is that not more than a person can take? Why didn't God stop this? How, how fair is that? That's unfair. Is that not unfair? That some of you kids are growing up without a dad. How unfair. Why didn't God do something? You ever notice that the devil does all of this and God gets the blame for it? Why didn't God do something? Why didn't God change this? Why didn't God, you mean magically make it go away? Do you know there are other people coming up behind you that's growing up with just a mom? And they need to know it's possible to do this. With Christ it can be done. But we want to run away and not have to face it at all. So what are you going to do, Christian? When you have been, you have been living for God. I'm not talking about you running around in sin and doing that. You've been living for God. You're trying to hang in there. I mean, life's a little tough right now. Situations are desperate. Your back's against the wall. And you're telling everybody God will come through. You're telling everybody he'll turn it around. You just watch. Any day now, any weekend, he's going to turn this whole thing around. God will stop it before it ends in tragedy. But he didn't. And now you're questioning God. What do we do? Go to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter number 3. Remember, it's right next to Hosea. Daniel chapter number 3. Here we have the story about the, we call it a children's story. It's not. A lot of us adults could learn a whole lot from this children's story.
Nebuchadnezzar uh, had a dream one night, and in that dream he saw a picture of a large statue, and that statue had multiple kinds of metal in it. The head was gold, the shoulders and chest was silver, and then uh, the thighs and so were brass, and it went on down from there. And uh, so when he woke up, he, he didn't understand it. What, what does this mean? So he goes to all of his worldly people for advice, like Christians do today. What do you think about that? Yeah, that makes sense to me. And so finally somebody says, you know, I know a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy. And he said, I know a guy who can interpret dreams. He's very good at it. So get him over here. So he brings Daniel in, and Daniel says, let me pray about it. I'm going to ask my three other friends to pray along with me, and I will tell you, because you see, there's a God in heaven. He didn't rely on himself. You have to understand, he was in slavery. He was in a foreign country. He had to do what he was told to do. He had a lot of freedom, but he was told to do certain things. He had to do it. So he goes, he has prayer, and he comes back. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, here is the interpretation of your dream. And he begins to tell him what all's going on, what the head of gold means. But actually, he said, King, this is you. You're the purest, you're the first, you're the pow most powerful, this is you. Yeah, I like that. Next, though, there'll be another kingdom, inferior to you, but will beat you. I used to think, how can you be inferior and beat somebody? One's talking about intrinsic value, pureness, cleanness. Nebuchadnezzar, I think, ended up being a born-again Christian. The rest of them didn't. Sit still. We're not turning that way. And so each one overcomes the other one until the Roman Empire, even today, is basically running the world. So he goes into the king and says, this is the interpretation of your dream. Nebuchadnezzar built a statue, basically nine or ten stories tall. About nine to twelve feet wide. Can you imagine that? Puts it out on a flat plain in the middle of where everybody could see it, but he made it all gold. He said, nobody's going to ever see what I made. And God said, yeah, you remember your dream? doesn't matter what you think or how you try to change it. It's going to be what God says. So he stands there and he puts up this big, I'm leading you to the story. We're getting ready to read right here. So he puts up this big statue. He said, okay, now here's what we're going to do. When all the contemporary gospel is being played, when all the rock and roll is being played, when all the rap is being played, when all the noise is going on, everybody needs to bow down and worship my image. And everybody went okey-dokey. That's what everybody else is doing. That's what we'll do. And so can you imagine everybody bows down? The three guys are standing. A little obvious, don't you think? You know, it's just like in the world today. Christians are bowing down like crazy. Well, everybody's doing this and everybody's doing that and everybody's doing this and everybody's doing that. And it's really strange when you find a Christian around that group somewhere doesn't bow like that. But you think you're different? No, I don't think I am either. Oh, you think you're better? No, I never thought I was better. This is the way I stand. So Daniel and his friends are out there and they're not buying down. 
word gets back to King Nebuchadnezzar. Hey, you know those Jewish boys you hired and put in authority? You know those guys you hired? Yeah, yeah, what about them? They have no respect for you. They're not bowing down, and they're not worshiping that image you put out there, that great big one of you you're so proud of. Yeah, they're not bowing down. What? King got furious. Bring them in here. So he brought in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or the big Dago, whatever you pronounce it. He brought them all in. Watch this very carefully. I want you to go in your Bible. I want you to go to verse number 11 of that chapter. And whosoever falleth not down in worship, that he should be cast in the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. The only time Christians should ever disobey civil authority is under obvious, direct disobedience to God's word. Not something you make up. Well, I think the law is crazy. I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. You have no Bible for that. But when you have something in the Bible, for example, right here, one of the commandments, the first one, thou shalt have no other gods before me to bow down and worship. Keep your Bibles. Hey, put your, take your Bible and set it down here for a minute. Just sit down here for a minute. Listen to me. So what happens is he wasn't saying, I just don't like you anymore. He didn't do that. He was very respectful and said, I can't. I, I can't do this. So watch what happens. Look at me. Look, this is what happens on your job. This is what happens in your neighborhood. This is what happens when you're among other Christians. Go to verse number 14 and 15. And Nebuchadnezzar, now they're brought into Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar heard what they were doing. You're not bowing down. Oh, you're setting a bad example. You're not going to go along with the program. You're really causing what? Everybody else is bowing down to an image. Probably hundreds, if not thousands, of Jewish people. And you got these three guys standing, and they're the problem. Isn't this what they tried to do with Elijah when Ahab finally caught up with him? So you're the one causing, causing us all the problem. He said, whoa, hold it right there. It's not me causing the problem, king. It's you and the direction you're taking our nation. Well, you think he's going to be happy to hear that? Yeah. So watch what happens here in verse number 14. So now they're in front of the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake unto him, saying, is it true? I, I just want to know. I want to hear it from you. O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now watch, he's going to give them another chance. You ever notice how that takes place? You can't do that at work, and we're going to have to fire you. Yes, sir, I'm sorry, I can't swear like that. Later on that day, you, you need to go up and see the, see the man there. You know, they're going to give you another chance. Not to do right, to change your mind. You, you check this out. This principle is true. I, I can't work on Sunday. Why? Well, then we can't use you. Later on, they give you a call. You stood your ground. You did what was right, and then they give you a call. Said, look, we, we really do need you, but we got to have you. It's another chance for you to change your mind. It's another chance for you to change your mind. So in verse number 15, you say no at first, but now that you've been threatened, and then they come back around and say, okay, 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 hold up, hold up. And the king tells them, verse 15, now if you be ready, hold on, hold on, they already broke the law, king's law. They already said we can't. So what do you mean if you be ready? We already told you no. Well, see, now that you know what you're in for, see that fire, see that big glow over there? Yeah, that is absolute, unbelievable 
heat and fire, and that's where, and, unless, 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 look, you change your mind, just forget the whole thing. Makes you think, doesn't it? Boy, I keep thinking back to those, uh, I think there were two, if I'm not mistaken, this was years and years ago, uh, two news people that were caught in, I believe it was Afghanistan at the time, it may have been another country, and uh, one of them, isn't it amazing, the major question they wanted to know, are, are you Christian or Muslim? What's that got to do with anything? It's just why I go to church. I mean, you know, it's much more than that. And they told them, if you claim to be Christian, we will cut your head off. However, they said, we just threatened you. If you will denounce that and say you believe in We saw a video here in this church. I don't know about you. There were how many? Fifteen? Orange suits. They lined them up, showed it internationally, except for liberal stations that don't want you to see stuff. Now, murder in the streets is okay. They took 15 Muslims who converted to Christianity. That's it marched them out along the seashore while all this being videoed and sent across your popular internet, had them kneel down and told the whole world what they did and cut their heads off and burned alive. Listen to me, sit still and listen. One at a time. I wonder how many opportunities they were given to change their mind. For us, it's just that you can't do that anymore or you're fired. Okay, I'm with you. We're talking about cutting your head off. What broke my heart about the whole thing, I don't know what part I had, was when it came to the wives. They showed on TV interviewing one of the wives, one of many of them. And they said, we didn't know anything about it. Over there, people could be gone for several days and we're not really sure. Hope everything will be okay. She said in her tongue, it was interpreted, we didn't know where they went. We weren't sure what happened to them until we saw on TV. They watched on TV their husband head in the water. Why didn't God deliver them? Why didn't he put a stop to it? Nobody should have to go through that. Isn't that what we tell people? Nobody should have to face something like that. Do you know what the woman said? We could not believe how glorious it was for our husbands to die for Jesus Christ. See, yeah, we hallelujah, amen. Oh, this is wonderful, and you should. But that's not the, that's not the thing. What about us? We can't take a disagreement very long. Something's got to change. If that's the way that church is, if that's the way those people are going to be, if that's the way they're going to stay, I don't know. I can't put up with Isn't that what we do? Nobody's talking about cutting your head off because you're a Christian. This is what we do. So Daniel and them, they're given another, another opportunity to change their mind. These three, though, without hesitation, Without hesitation. See, don't rethink things. Look, you make up your mind. King James Bible's right. Don't ever rethink it again. 
local Baptist church is right. Don't ever rethink it again. Now, in case you're saying, whoa, what about other church? You don't know much about history or about the Bible. So, all this, once you make up your mind, I was given a King James Bible yeah. when I got saved. My brother handed me a Bible and said, if you're ever going to get to know God, you got to get to know this book right here. Never changed since then. I was called to preach in a Baptist church. I was called to pastor in a Baptist church. I have been a pastor of a Baptist church all of these years. I've been preaching now for I like 48, 49 years. Understand, that's the only book I need. And if you'd stay in that book without jumping in and out all the time, listening to everybody else, you wouldn't be confused. It is the King James Bible is the word of God. Amen. Everything else is at close a funny book or commentary. It's not a Bible. It's not a version of it. These three in verse number 16 and 17, drop down there. We're just about done. Watch verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, you're stupid. We're not doing no, no disrespect. No disrespect. Watch what he says. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. That's nice, wasn't it? Oh, you're going to throw us in the fiery furnace, and I'll tell you what I think about it. That's not what they did. They knew what they were doing. Watch what they said here. If it be so, our God, whom we serve. Now, see, some of us, we're not serving and want God to react to us like obedient children. Many verses in the Bible belong to the righteous, to the obedient. Read the Bible. Not just everybody and anybody. So here he said, if it be so, our God whom we serve, he's able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. He said, I just want you to know, king, please, don't, don't lose any sleep over this. Our God whom we serve, he can deliver us. And by the way, he will, and out of your hand too. And you can imagine the king going like, what, do you know who I am? I got a big golden statue out here that shows you how important I am. I got a fiery furnace over here waiting on you to show you what power that I have. And they're standing here going, oh, no, we'll be delivered. Our God can do that. And one thing we know for sure, we will be delivered out of your hand. What do we find out here? In verse 21 through 23, I want to ask you a question. Where is their escape? Where is this escape the Bible talks about? And they even said, our God can deliver us, and he will. Do you know this story? They got thrown in the fiery furnace. They didn't just have to face it. But I wonder if during that time they simply, maybe in their mind, I don't think they did, but let's assume they went like this. Don't worry about it, fellas. We're not even going to get close, and God will come down and miraculously change everything. And everybody know there will be a God in heaven. Didn't happen. They got thrown in the fiery furnace. So much for that verse. So much for the God will deliver. It has become our way of thinking. If God is going to do something right, well, the way that I know right is, this is the way he'll go about it. First of all, he wouldn't even let this start. Now they're right in front of the furnace, and it's so hot that the strong men going to throw them in, they die. So that's miraculous. You're not keying in on the problem here. The guys throwing them in were not delivered, but they were healed. 
the three Hebrew children who stood for God in front of everybody, they got thrown in the fiery furnace. Where is thee that you might be able to bear it? Where's that at? That you might escape. Where, where's that at? They didn't escape. They went in. I don't know how to break this to you. You're not supposed to be able to survive fire. I thought I'd let you know that. So what happens here? The way that we would do it, the way that we think God would do it, he would never allow this to go this far to begin with. And that's what we think about things in our life. Have you ever been to that place where your heart feels like it's about ready to pop from sorrow? And you say, Christian, listen. Many times God does not deliver from the fire, but in the fire. You want to be delivered from the fire. God said, let's walk in the fire together. Us, those three and him, let's include Christ in what's going on, and he was their way of escape. Is anybody listening to me this morning? Quit doing the mystical, rub the genie lamp, I just prayed and I know God will. What do you tell people when you told them God will? I prayed and God will answer my, and he did. What do you tell them? What does the faith healer do when he says, Asha Shalama Yamasaki Honda that's Japanese, that's a tongue, and says, God bless you, healed. And you tell everybody. problem. <laughs> it's your problem. I can help you heal. All I got to do is slap you up against hell. John's having a tough time here. I think we need a healing service. John, who said go ahead? Bring John up here and I'll slap him upside the head. I take my fingers and spit on him and put them in his ears. Heaven's in the Bible. I know it's true. It's going to happen. We're just making stuff up in here. It's not even really Bible. You see, there has to be something that we can bear up underneath of it. What these fellows were going through, watch, they could bear if Jesus was with them. That was their escape, and they could take it. I, I have proof. The king looked in there and said, wait a minute. How many guys we throw in here? One of those threes. Are you Spanish speaking? Huh? Three, right? I see, don't ask me how he knew this, I see four. Not outside the furnace, not above the furnace, not look at us how spiritual we are furnace. In the furnace, I see four. Then he said this, and the fourth is like unto the son of man. I want to know how this heathen king knew that. How did he know that? How's the world going to know that you serve a real God? If before you ever have to face anything, magically goes away. They want to see what's going to happen when you're in the fire. God knows this. So in verse number 18, watch what he says. They said, but if not, but if not, be it known. King, you just need to understand something right here. You're not going to bow down. 
not because we don't like you. God said no. God said no. God is able to deliver from the furnace and from you, O king. But if not, here's the problem that we have. I just want you and everybody to know. You're going to serve the Lord. Did you understand? You want to know how you're going to get through that tough time? Keep walking with God. Keep serving the Lord. It's amazing. I told some of our young people in here the other day. It's amazing. No, I knew who it was. It's Kenny Graber. I told Kenny Graber. I said, Kenny Graber, it's amazing what trusting God, hard work, being diligent, and just keep at it will get you in life. By the way, everything I said is Bible. Every bit of that's Bible. You don't want to work. You want to fuss about everything and wonder why God didn't bless you. If I was your dad, I wouldn't bless you either. But I'm not God, so there you go. They will not change their direction. These guys are basically saying, look, King, we're not changing our direction. We're not changing our belief to make it easier on us. We're not changing sides of what God said. We can't do that. If he delivers the way I think he should or should not, if we get out of this or we have to go through it, here's where you need to make up your mind. It doesn't matter what the outcome is, whether we're miraculously delivered or we're thrown into the fiery furnace or into the lion's den or stoned to death or criticized or end up in prison for something we did not do. I am not going to change. I'm going to side up with Jesus Christ and he is my escape that I can bear it. Daniel chapter 3 verse 24. And he answered, Lo, I see four men loose walking around in the fire, and they have no hurt. You think that whole thing was to destroy them? No, it was to show God what's up. You walk with God, you're going to be fine. You're going to be all right. And verse 26, if you take your stand for Christ, he will take his stand for you. He will take, you, he will take a stand. If not here, you will stand with him in heaven right before his throne. So they were right. They were absolutely right. We will be delivered. Death is a deliverer in this world. Nobody's getting out of this life with another hurt. Do you understand? So in verse 27, and the princes and the governors and you know all those who have it in for you and give you a hard time and stuff, don't get even with them. Don't take vengeance. Somebody needs to make them pay. There is a God in heaven. By the way, read verse 27. All of the princes who lied and all the governors who lied and all those people who set these people up, they all died. And the three Hebrew children didn't have to worry about one thing. Somebody needs to make somebody pay. I mean, you can't let them get by with this. Nobody gets by with it. Nobody gets by with it. Christian, are you under a lot of pressure? First thing you're going to have to be honest about, because of something you did wrong or because of something you're doing right. If you're standing for the Lord, and they'll start making excuses. Yeah, but, yeah, but, well, I, I could if. No, no, no. You know if you're living right for God or not. You know that, okay? If you're not, you're being chastened of the Lord, and you probably, it's coming to you what you do something. You know that, if you'd be honest. But if you're living for the Lord, quit looking for a way out. 
your way out of escape is with him. I can take this for God's sake. You say, oh, preacher, it'll be all right. I know God will come through and make everything all right before I have to go through too much. Ready? Here's what you need to say after that. But if not. See, you've never made up your mind about that part. Many of you haven't. As long as God, this, this is why he attacked Job the way he did. Well, yeah, he gives you everything. It's no wonder I can't tempt you. It's no wonder he doesn't struggle. God, you give him everything. So God said, basically, okay, take off running. Let's just see if he's serving me for stuff, good health, material stuff, his kids, his family. Let's just see if he's serving you so that God doesn't do anything to me. So he took it all away. And Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. God gave, God takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, that's what we have to get to. Will you quit? Will you be disillusioned with God if it doesn't turn out the way you reason and think it should? Are you going to change churches? You go serve something or someone else because God did not deliver the way you thought he should, when you thought he should? Are you going to find your own way of escape? We try, don't we? We even reason with other Christians. God gave you a mind to use, you know. Not without him, he didn't. Have you ever told yourself, let me tell you a story, let me tell you a story. A long time ago when I used to have problems like that, a, a, a thought crossed my mind, and here's what it was. Do you know what um, reverse psychology is? Okay, you try to actually talk someone into what you really want to do. So I was going through a real tough time uh, that day, that time, and I told the Lord in prayer, ready? I didn't ask him to take it away. I didn't ask him to make everything all right. But I told him this. I don't know where I got this from. I said, God, if this is to make me quit or to see if I'm going to, you might as well just stop right now because I'm not going to. What will make you quit? Heartache? Something you don't understand? Hurt that's just not right for anybody to handle? You've, you'll make up your mind unless you have told yourself and God. That's what I was doing. God, you might as well stop. If this is to see if I'm going to quit, you can stop right now because I'm not going to. You say, how'd it turn out? Still here, still singing Zippity Doo Dah, and in key, not like your husband. There you go. And so, what happens is simply this: Is God and His Word still on trial in your life? Well, if God delivers this, I'll go back to church. Well, if this turns out this way, I'll keep trying. So God's Word's on trial, right? Because it doesn't make sense to you. Why don't you take Him off the trial? say, whether I get delivered or not, I'm serving God. Whether it's easy or hard, I'm serving God. If this is meant to make me quit or see how much I'll go through, God, you can just stop it right now because I'm not stopping. Have you ever told yourself that nothing's going to stop you or are you still waiting to see what all may happen? Why not trust God's word? Trust God's word and convince yourself and him 
I'm telling me and I'm telling you. That's it. But what I have to go through, what disagreements, what people believe or don't believe, what's my fault, what's not my fault, God, I know you're not obligated to magically or mystically make everything poof and go away or you're not a good father. That's not true. With every temptation, there is a way of escape that you may be able God, if you're with me, I can do this. I can do this. And so what do you do? You just get in church. You stop tithing. You stop praying. Preacher, it's awful hard to pray when you're burdened. Isn't that something? One of the hardest times for me to pray is when my heart's breaking. And the Bible tells me that's the time I need to pray. I find it very difficult to pray when my heart's breaking. I can't form words. I can't concentrate. I got a Baptist headache from crying too much. I mean, it's terrible. And God said, when in trouble, pray. Wait a minute. So I don't handle it myself? No, he said, when you're in trouble, pray. Call on me. Call on, let, me let me in on this. But if not, have you ever told yourself, it doesn't make any difference. Look at your hand. It does not make any difference what I may have to face. And I'm not even sure what that means anymore. God, it doesn't make any difference. I'm going to go on with, ready? With you. Don't just grit your teeth and stay on it. With you. Help us, Lord.